Hey everyone. As you know, I'm a huge fan of living a healthy lifestyle, including taking the right supplements. Collagen is one of my favorite supplements. It is the most abundant protein in the human body. As we grow older, we break it down faster than we can replace it. This loss affects our skin, nails, hair, muscles, joints, and tendons, bones, and gut, making us look and feel old. Totem Voss is a wellness company that created a collagen chew for a real-life person, the 78-year-old mother of the founder. As a result, the quality is unrivaled. Totem Voss chews contain equal part deep-sea Icelandic cod, domestic grass-fed beef, and organic chicken bone broth, along with companion ingredients such as vitamin C for a full collagen synthesis. These varied sources address a greater range of collagen needs within the body. Their customers are reporting results with such problems as rosacea, osteoarthritis, osteoporosis, degenerative disc disease, as well as improved hair, skin, and nails. Practitioners are finding the juice to be an effective tool in restoring gut health. You can find Totem Voss, that's T-O-T-U-M-V-O-S, at getchews.com. That's getchews.com. Use code DRDIVA, that's D-R-D-I-V-A, for an additional 10% off your first order. I have a client who just absolutely refuses to give up booze, but he has it twice a week and he's still losing weight. And the minute he started having it three, four days a week, he stopped losing weight. He discovered this on his own. He was able to connect the dots. So I really educate and empower my people to say, I can make these choices, but I'm also going to have these consequences. So they're able to take ownership of it. And that often ensures longevity. Hello, this is Dr. Deva Nagula. Welcome to From Doctor to Patient, where our goal is to bring you topics of discussion that will educate you on the various healing modalities to help balance the mind, body, and spirit. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of From Doctor to Patient. Today, I'm joined with Esther Blum. She's an integrative dietitian and high-performance coach. She's helped thousands of women permanently lose weight, eliminate the need for medication, lose stubborn belly fat, and reverse chronic illness. Esther teaches her clients how to get clear and decisive about what to eat while healing their relationship with food and their bodies. She's the best-selling author of Cave Women, Don't Get Fat, Eat, Drink, and Be Gorgeous, Secret of Gorgeous, and the Eat, Drink, and Be Gorgeous Project. She currently maintains a busy virtual practice where she provides 360 degrees of healing with physical, psychological, emotional, and spiritual support. She believes that diet and supplements are the foundation to healing, but treating the whole person is paramount. Widely respected as an industry expert, Esther was voted Best Nutritionist by Manhattan Magazine. She's appeared on Dr. Oz, The Today Show, A Healthy You with Carol Alt, The Isaac Show, ABC TV, Fox 5, Good Day New York, and Fox News Live. She's an in-demand authority frequently quoted in e-online, in touch, Time Magazine, the New York Post, the LA Times, InStyle, Bazaar, Self, Fitness, Marie Claire, and Cosmo. She received a Bachelor's of Science in Clinical Nutrition from Simmons College in Boston and is a graduate of New York University where she received her Master of Science in Clinical Nutrition. She's credentialed as a registered dietitian, 
a certified dietitian nutritionist, and a certified nutrition specialist. The certificate from the Board of Certification of Nutrition Specialist. She's also a member of the American Dietetic Association, Dietitians in Functional Medicine, Nutritionists in Complementary Care, and the Connecticut Dietetic Association. Esther lives in Connecticut with her family where she can be seen cooking up a storm, going for long hikes, and blasting 80s music by the fire pit. Well, I'm so pleased to have you here on the show today. And just reading your, your bio is just fascinating. And I'm so excited for the show. And it's interesting, a lot of people who come on the show who talk about these healing modalities that they basically have chosen as their profession um, to help other people have a unique story about themselves. And so I'd love for you to, you know, take some time and just really um, talk about your story and how you got here. Yeah. So there's a couple of paths that brought me here. One was conscious and one was sort of subconscious. The conscious one was I grew up in a family of healers. My father and grandfather were both amazing physicians, the kind of physicians that did house calls and had an answering service that um, would, you know, often call on the weekends. And my grandfather was an ears, nose and throat doctor. He was Harry Blum, the tonsil king of Brooklyn. Uh, And he was one of the first graduating classes of NYU Medical School. And when I was about six, uh, he took my tonsils out. I had chronic tonsillitis. I was sick all the time. I had ear infections every month. My mom joked, it was like getting my period every month, only with antibiotics, like just antibiotics, antibiotics. Now they did not know about diet. So of course I grew up eating tons of wheat and dairy and we were kosher. So there was no butters, only margarine and all this real pro inflammatory food. But, um, Long before I knew that, you know, I, I knew I was very interested in, in medicine, but I didn't want to go to medical school. And I looked into, uh, I had a career counselor kind of quiz me, a nutritionist came up as one of the fields of study because it's a pre-med degree, but you don't have the residency, you don't have the, I had a hospital internship but and board exams, but it's nowhere near the length of time required as a physician. Mm -hmm. So um, my dad was like, great, if you don't want to be a doctor, don't do it. That's cool. My grandfather was like, that is so you're going to be a dietitian. Like what's wrong with you? Why wouldn't you be a doctor? (laughs) You're never going to be a success. You're never going to make money. I was like, Oh yeah, watch me, watch me. So, um, you know, so that was, that was one reason why is I just was fascinated by the science. You know, my mom was a nurse. My grandmother was a dietitian who my grandfather trained to put the ether mask over my face when he took my tonsils out. So pretty crazy, right? But then the other piece of the story is my, um, my middle brother, you know, he was always really sick and had a ton of GI issues. He was born with a mild case of spina bifida. Um, to this day, he's in a wheelchair and struggles with his digestion and gut function. So, um, I was, you know, subconsciously, I think I was never able to help him when I was younger. And now, of course, I treat him. I'm treating him now for gut issues as well. So that feels really good to be able to to heal people and pass along to other people maybe what he didn't, you know, my parents didn't have the tools to manage and there wasn't the same information on the gut microbiome as there is now. And, you know, special diets and all the foods. I mean, I remember, I don't know about you, but growing up, I had friends who were celiac, right? 
and they would just eat corn and rice. And that was, I was like, what do you mean you can't eat bread? What do you, now, of course, you can get, you know, cassava flour tortillas and almond flour muffins. And there's so many variations. You could get paleo waffles. But back then, there was none of that. Mm-hmm. And so we've come such a long way. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's really fantastic. And it's, uh, I mean, now the role of a nutritionist and dietitian is so imperative in aiding in, in issues with chronic health, you know, and it's just back in the day when I was working in the hospital, you know, it was like, we never really looked at the nutritionist notes in the chart. It was like, Oh, okay. It's just filler for the chart. And now I'm like, wow. I mean, this, the role of, of what you guys do is so important, especially a person who, who plays a role in the integrative nutritionist, the functional nutritionist. This is like stuff that's imperative and in, in really dissecting all of the stuff that's going on in the world with toxicity, with poor nutrition, GMOs, and then also abiding by their individual, the patient's individual's food sensitivities and intolerances. And so it's really important. And it's like for us physicians who, who went to school, we didn't learn any of this nutrition. And, you know, it's, it's, I've had to take courses and I've had to go into integrative medicine to understand nutrition. And, and I know that's the foundation of everything. And it's like, if you don't have that dialed in, good luck. I mean, it's, it's the foundation to, to build on for, for improvement in, in health and wellness. So can I ask you a question? Uh, because yes, I was a hospital dietitian for five years and yeah, nobody read a darn note of mine. Okay. <laughs> so let me ask you a question. You, uh, you have crossed over, you have gone rogue in modern medicine, which is beautiful. So why don't you think, what's your opinion on why doctors don't take nutrition into consideration, especially gastroenterologists? Is there so yeah. this is funny. Um, my father's a gastroenterologist and my brother is a gastroenterologist. So my dad's very old school. He's not practicing anymore. But it wasn't until I had my own health issues that he realized the importance of diet. And when I had got diagnosed with cancer and I was reading all this information about how nutrition plays a role and how you know I was inundated with uh, toxicities from eating so much of, uh, of conventional foods, uh, which were laden in pesticides. And when I started to mention all this and, and started to wake him up because it was more, it hit home for him, obviously. And then my my brother who's practicing, he's younger than me, um, he also took it home to two, as well. But, you know, he does counsel, you know, folks on nutrition, not at the extent of the level that you do or I do, um, but it's there. And I just think it wasn't taught in medical schools and medical school is the Bible. So if anything is outside of what you're learned in medical school and residency program, it's, it's almost like it, it doesn't exist. And that goes with a lot of different other modalities of healing, not just nutrition, but nutrition is, is, is the foundation. And I also think that the curriculum is put together by people who might have inf- be, be influenced by the big pharma and big pharma doesn't want to have nutrition as a role in our education because it's going to ruin their big business. Amen. Yeah, that's, that's my impression. But I always, I'm curious, like as a physician, what your perspective is on it. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's something that I feel that should be front and center when we're talking about how to heal because food is medicine. I mean, you can literally heal so many diseases, prevent many diseases and, and treats just based on, on understanding the body and, and prescribing the appropriate foods. And that goes with, with, with cancer. You know, if you have prostate cancer, you know exactly what, what, 
they should be eating any kind of cancer. You should be eliminating sugar and carbohydrates and, 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 you know, you should be implementing, you know, some sort of fasting. And I'm sure you're, you do that with some of your clients too. Yeah. You know, um, I, I get so stoked about all of the pieces that are now that we can now utilize in our practices. One of my favorite things to utilize is a continuous glucose monitor and to just get people to dial into their sugars, you know, um, especially when they're not losing weight and they don't want to listen to me about going to bed earlier. I mean, to be fair, I have pretty uh, compliant people who come to me because they're investing time and money, but but not everyone is able to change lifestyle habits overnight and, and going to bed earlier is one of the hardest things to do for people and get them to go to bed earlier and not eat so late at night. So I'm thinking of my client, Greg in particular, you know, he, he is such a snacker. He eats a lot of carbs and we, we got him to lose weight and get his cortisol down. He was also drinking like three to four espressos a day. I mean, his cortisol was off the charts. So I said, you know, we're going to put you on the calm down man program and you're going to get you off all your caffeine, which we did. He was really amazing, but he was still kind of getting up to pee a couple times a night and eating late. And, and, uh, I said, all right, fine. Slap on a glucose monitor. And sure enough, his glucose runs high. Even his baseline, um, is hundred to 114, which is high yeah, for baseline. So he's pretty he's diabetic. Yeah. Pretty diabetic, even though he's not overweight. So I was like, now you really have to start fasting at night. You, you cannot eat after dinner and eat late and you got to go to sleep earlier and that will fix your sugar and fix your gut. So the, the beauty of a glucose monitor is you cannot you can't argue with the numbers. The numbers don't lie. And when people have this hardcore evidence staring them in the face or on their app, then they say, all right, I, I really have to listen to my body now. <laughs> it's a beautiful instrument. And I, I went through um, just an experiment for myself just maybe two, three months ago. And it was really interesting because I was trying to understand, you know, how to modulate my, my numbers. And, and if I were to eat a big meal, and if I went around and walked around the block with my dog, it, it actually reduced my levels in, in, in my system. My sugar levels were a lot lower. And then I did the same experiment with the same meal and not walking around the block and my sugars were higher. So it really does go to show you that how activity, po you know, postprandial activity is important. Yeah, one of my favorite studies is um, the one done on type two diabetics and group A was given metformin, but without, was not doing any physical activity. And group B was not given any metformin, but was lifting weights. And group B had much better insulin sensitivity and control because their insulin receptors were open. Insulin could drop in after exercise. And I know when I wore a continuous glucose monitor, you know, I walk my dog for 45 minutes to an hour in the morning before I strength train. And even after the walk, my sugars were lower than they were when I woke up in the morning. And this was after a meal because I eat a meal and then go for a walk. And, you know, they were still it's the crazy. lowest of the day <laughs> just from so, walking. So you'll, 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 I find this funny. So I um, was having blood work done, fasting blood work, and I was having my sugars like in the mid 90s and the high 90s. And I was like, uh-oh, what's going on here? My hemoglobin A1C was like, you know, 5.4, which was on the borderline. Not really on the borderline, but still it's, it's high normal. And I was wondering what is going on? And I 
would always get my blood work in the morning and I would be really religious about fasting and wouldn't even drink the coffee. I thought coffee might, coffee doesn't unless you add stuff to it to influence the sugar. And I was like, okay, I'm not gonna drink coffee. And it was still was, my, my fasting blood sugar was high. And then I started to wear the glucose monitor and first thing in the morning when I wake up, the first thing I do is I take my supplements. And lo and behold, after my supplements, my sugar would go up. And I was like, wow, I had no idea because of whatever the, the substance, the, the, the structure that's in the supplement itself would, would react and it would actually raise my levels. And so it was a false raise. It wasn't really a false raise. It was all something based on, on my supplements, which I had not even thought about tying that in in, in regards to my, my blood glucose levels. And so I went back and I had my blood work done. This time didn't take any supplements and my, my glucose was like 83. Okay, I've never heard this story. So tell me more. Like, what was in your supplements that was raising your blood glucose, or what was your body's response? Yeah, I mean, it was just whatever was the structure of the actual capsule itself, you know, was enough to raise the sugar. And I would take, you know, eight to 10 capsules, and it was just like, there was just enough to, to boost my levels. So there's like cellulose, which is sugar that's made in, of the capsule, and some kind of starch that's in the capsule. And so these are the things that, you know, can influence the, the, the sugar. Fascinating. All right. Well, you got to start mainlining those things then. Forget, you know, oral route. You've got to just <laughs> take <laughs> yeah, them exactly. intravenously. Yeah. But, you know, and you know, metformin too, by the way, let me tell you, I don't know. Do you, have you been working with topical metformin? Cause I see that's not available. Uh, that's now available. And I, I'm sending my patients to their doctors to get it, but I, I don't know much about it. It's pretty new seems like. I, no, it's new to me. I have not heard of this. So this is really interesting. I wonder yeah. if it's much more effective because of the absorption and you're bypassing the first pass effect. So I don't know. That's really Well, there's curious. that. Um, but you know, like uh, some people just don't tolerate the GI side effects and those yeah. are really, those are really rough to get through. And you know, you've got working professionals, you're trying to get them on the sauce. And if they're running to the bathroom every five minutes, it's hard yeah, it's to get deterrent. the deterrent. Yes. Hey, Dr. Diva here. Thank you to all my listeners who supported my book and helped to make it a huge success. You all have helped us hit number one in Barnes & Noble, number one in oncology, cancer, healing, and medical eBooks, and number 21 in all of the Kindle store. You've also helped us hit number three on the Wall Street Journal bestseller list. If you haven't received your copy, you can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or booksatmillion.com. Visit from doctor2patient.com to become part of our growing community of health and wellness aficionados and to learn more. If you like our book and podcast, please go to amazon.com to write a five-star review and go to Apple Podcasts to also write a five-star review on this podcast or any of our episodes that you've enjoyed. We need reviews to attract and secure top-notch guests for this show. Thank you so much for your support. So that's, I mean, it's really interesting. I mean, obviously the diet is such a huge role in what we put into our, our bodies. It's a huge role in, in terms of our health and wellness. Do you do anything in regards to counseling, preventative care, or when you actually take a client on, can you like kind of elaborate on what you talk about with the client? You take a client from the beginning to the end? 
So I take a whole body approach to weight loss through hormone balance and gut health. And I do this primarily women come to me, but I certainly have a subset of men that I treat. And so um, often when people come to me, they are in the midlife stages where they're going through perimenopause or menopause. And all of a sudden, the gut microbiome, the estrogen gut connection, which is called the estrobolome, that completely changes. Women get massive bloating. They get IBS-like symptoms. They start to get insomnia, which is also an issue with low progesterone. But um, they're really having digestive issues or they've had chronic uh, you know, pathogens. They've got excess amounts of H. pylori or they have uh, staphylococcus or some kind of GI infection or invader that really shouldn't be there. So why do I start with the gut? And I used to start with hormone testing. Well, once you fix the gut, you can really repair the adrenal pathways. You can optimize hormone production. And at the end of the day, you cut inflammation and you make people happier because an inflamed gut is going to translate into an inflamed brain. You're going to have people who aren't sleeping, who are irritable, who are suffering from depression, brain fog and really are, are suffering and struggling to get through the day or they're having severe constipation or diarrhea, their bowel movements are not regular. So the first thing I will do is weed and reseed. Just sometimes if somebody really doesn't even have like a mucosal lining in their gut, um, I will build them up for a month and just give them a lot of gut fuel and these mucilaginous herbs that help form that beautiful mucosal lining in the intestinal tract. So slippery elm, marshmallow, put some glutamine in there, some zinc carnosine to really heal some of the gut inflammation. Then we'll start weeding out and getting rid of the pathogens that don't belong there. And then phase three is, is rebuilding and putting in good gut fuel and digestive enzymes. A lot of people are very low in hydrochloric acid. This can be from chronic stress. This can be from age. This can be from pesticides and GMOs. Pharmaceuticals. And Pharmaceuticals. And, and that's the other problem. People are getting a lot of heartburn, and then the doctors put them on H2 blockers, which is very sh short-term, right? It's great for healing an ulcer or um, treating you know, some Barrett's esophagus really quickly, but long-term, it's not going to get to the root of the problem, and you will suffer from osteoporosis long-term, and especially if your estrogen levels are bottom out and you're on H2 blocker, you're really going to suffer from osteoporosis long-term. So I fix the gut, and then I also do extensive hormone testing. I use the Dutch test, which I love. Uh, it tests 21 different androgens. It looks at your pathways. So if you have a family history of cancer, it can really tell us a lot about whether or not you're a candidate for HRT, or it's hormone replacement therapy. Um, and it also looks at, again, neurotransmitters in the brain. And the most fascinating thing that I've seen are people who come to me on Wellbutrin or Zoloft and their neurotransmitters are still very low in the brain. It's not mm. working mm. because you funny. have not, it's, it's crazy. I wouldn't have believed it myself if I didn't see it on the tests. But again, you can't argue with the numbers. That's why I love tests. Uh, because before I did tests, I was like, well, you could try this and you could try that and let's try these supplements. And I think it's this, well, that is way too much guesswork and not enough certainty. So now I really tightened things up over the years. I mean, between this like over 26 years, I'm actually a hundred, but you know, <laughs> all the nutrients I take make me look much younger. 
So uh, it's really optimizing gut health first, optimizing hormones, putting people on hormone replacement if they're a candidate or optimizing their uh, body's detoxification pathways. And as a result, they sleep better, their energy's better, they can improve body composition, lose weight, get insulin under control, lower cortisol levels, um, and live a better life, just feel better, stop hot flashing, improve vaginal dryness, get their libido back, um, clear out excess estrogens, you know, so, and I'm seeing more and more excess estrogens in men, where the men who are getting testosterone pellets uh, are often aromatizing or converting to estrogen. So I don't love pellets for men. I really like gels or just a transdermal cream. And I'm also just seeing men who are obese who have very high estrogen levels. So we have to remove that too. So it's not just women, it's men who also suffer from high estrogens. And yeah, and then obviously you see the men who have the hyperestrogen they're manifesting with the man boobs, right? And that's that's kind of something that occurs in a lot of people who are chronic uh, drinkers, you know, a lot of beer. You know, this is something that increases the estrogen levels, prevent clearing. And um, this is what we see after, you know, uh, a couple of weekends or, uh, you know, a month of, of binging, you know, this is what's going to happen. And of course, if you're sitting there not watching your diet and you're eating a lot of things that are, that are pro-estrogen producing, then you're just you're really, you know, making that cycle uh, spin faster and faster. Yes, but the, and the good news is it's all possible. You know, there's the, in case you're listening to this, you're feeling very overwhelmed. You know, the take home message I want you to know is there's really nothing in you that's not reversible. I mean, save for an amputation or <laughs> an amputated body part, um, most things are reversible with the proper treatment. I mean, you've survived cancer, you know, you know, you're alive today because of how you cared for yourself and your body. Exactly. And with your approach, I mean, so it's interesting. I mean, you're taking an approach that's very functional medicine-ish that a lot of physicians that who practice functional medicine, that is the exact approach that they teach you when you take these functional medicine uh, courses from IFM. And it's very awesome that you're using the same methodology, but you have ideally a, a step up than most of us practitioners and it's because you're able to educate on the diet aspect. And um, going back to diet, I mean, how difficult is it to really uh, get someone to be consistent with what you're recommending and adhere to the recommendations? The worse someone is off when they come to me, the easier it is because they're much more motivated to get on track or they're afraid. I mean, fear is a great motivator initially. Um, at fear and physical pain or discomfort um, motivates long-term, right? So people are great out of the gate. And then the reason why, I mean, my starting package to work together is six months because People need to, everyone's gung-ho in the beginning, right? The most excited, enthusiastic dieter is the one who's like on the first three weeks of their plan, right? So I try to make it very realistic. I'm the reality Barbie. So if someone, I always ask like, what are your three non-negotiables? What are the things you will not give up? And if someone's like coffee, booze, and chocolate, okay, great. Let's figure out how to actually build those in. So I do have people tracking on chronometer, um, tracking their food, because again, the numbers don't lie. And I never shame people or ask them to do 
anything I wouldn't do myself. I'm not like a big keto person or extreme diet person because I rarely have to go to those extremes to get someone results. And I need to make sure that they're going to be on this in six to 12 months to two years to five years and that what we prescribe sticks. So we play a lot. Um, you know, I'll, I'll customize their macronutrients for carbohydrates, proteins, fat, and say, okay, this is about how many servings of carbs you can have and still lose weight. And this is how much protein you need. And this is how much fat you need. And usually a couple of things happen. Number one, people have a really hard time often meeting their protein needs. I tend to prescribe about uh, a gram per pound of ideal body weight. And that can be very hard if someone's not used, if they're used to eating, you know, cereal for breakfast and a sandwich for lunch and then dinner's like their good protein meal. That's a huge change to get people eat protein in the mornings. But the second thing is that uh, over time, people really understand, okay, like booze is something that's really hard to change for people. But, you know, booze can bloat you up and help you stay uh, or prevent you from losing weight for up to four days after each cocktail. So, wow, I didn't know that. It's crazy. So, for initially, each cocktail. wow. Yeah. So like I have a client who just absolutely refuses to give up booze, but he has it twice a week and he's still losing weight. And the minute he started having it three, four days a week, he stopped losing weight and he's, he's lost 25 pounds, but he wants to lose 25 more. So he discovered this on his own. He was able to connect the dots. So I really educate and empower my people to say, I can make these choices, but I'm also going to have these consequences. So they're able to take ownership of it. And that often ensures longevity because I'm not the one cracking the whip or shaming them or say, you know, you really shouldn't have done that. I can say, okay, what's working? What's not working? Well, I didn't lose any weight this week. Okay. What was different about your week? You know, and just doing the detective work really ensures accountability. Uh, it releases the shame and judgment. It's just, is this working? Is it not working? Okay, what do we need to adjust? And they all know they just need the coaching and they need someone to cheer them on and say, you've got this. Let's just reset your focus. I mean, like I, that's the reason why I have a business coach. I have a strength coach. Like I stink at accountability and I'm lazy <laughs> and I don't want to do the work. I don't want to do the work, but when I'm paying someone money, you better believe I'm going to do the darn work. Because I yep. can't look myself in the mirror and I have goals, right? So people have to remember their goals. They have to remember their why. Sometimes losing weight and getting to a certain number on the scale, that's not really motivating. But being able to get on the floor and play with their kids or grandkids and get up again <laughs> and feel good or just sleeping through the night, right? That's what got me off caffeine and booze. I was like, you know what? Sleep's more important to me than caffeine and booze, you know, or really thinking like, what is the most important thing to you? That's what keeps people accountable. And if you don't mm -hmm. have a good why, or you're not connected to it, that also makes it harder. If people aren't clear on their goals or why they're doing it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. And then I also really appreciate the approach that you take. It's really all about getting to the root cause and doing the detective work as you alluded to, to really understand what's going on. And that really is how you're going to make the change. And, you know, with this person who, who saw for himself what alcohol was doing, you know, that's kind of the detective work that you needed to do and he needed to do to figure out that that, that was really a bad choice uh, to increase the <laughs> consumption of alcohol throughout the week. 
But I, also what you're doing is you're probably getting a thorough medical history and you're probably getting some blood work and the Dutch tests. And so this is really integral in understanding what's going on. And I'm sure you're doing a lot more um, of a medical intake and an initial conversation with the client to really get an idea as to what their eating habits are. And there's such thing as emotional eating. And, you know, a lot of people do that, including myself and don't even know it because it's just something that we just do as a habit. Oh, yeah. I mean, please. I, like, who has not snorted a line of chocolate chips off the counter? I mean, it, it happens to all of us. And especially in the pandemic, you know, people are really struggling and gaining weight. They're not getting enough exercise uh, and, and overeating as a stress response. I mean, guilty as charged. We've all, we've all been there. And it's human. It's, you're normal. You're fine. There's nothing wrong with you. But the key is to nip it in the bud and say, okay, how can I turn this around? And, um, you know, do I need to just pull some things out of my house for a while? Or do I need to really address my stress? You know, what's the root cause? Do I need to meditate? Do I need to go outside for a walk and pet my dog and play with my kids and just unwind and delete my social media apps? You know, one of my favorite most transformative behaviors is um, I turn off my cell phone by about 745 to eight o'clock every oh, night. Good for you. Just offline. No, nothing. So I think even if we can just get off our technology, unplug, read a book at night, just chill, you know, <laughs> take a bath. <laughs> I think that's yeah, I mean, really key. It's, it's, it's a good way of getting into a habit of winding down before bedtime. And then that actually kind of lowers the autonomic nervous system, gets people out of fight or flight, get into a better uh, a sleep cycle when going to bed and getting, like you said, at a, at a normal time. And interesting enough, I used to always um, eat late at night, like seven to eight, and then go to bed, you know, a few hours, you know, after that. And then I started to, um, you know, I have a wearable, the Aura Ring, and it measures a, a readiness score and it measures my HRV. And that's all based on a complicated algorithm but I would notice that if I would eat right before bedtime, that I wouldn't have the best quality of sleep and my, and my HRV would, would suffer. And so I started to space my time out between my last meal and going to bed. And I realized that if I do this three hours or greater, I have the best impact on my sleep and my readiness score, my HRV. And then I started to read that on, online that you really need to do this on a regular basis to digest the food and, and, and have your system not work in the middle of the night on your GI system and have it actually work on rest and repair and recovery. And that's what sleep is for. And so if we're sitting there eating a meal right before we go to bed, our system isn't repairing and, and, and regenerating. It's more about aiding and digesting. Right. You're digesting, not resting. That's right. And, you know, the other cool thing, though, is not eating before bed, you know, um, it is a great way to sort of curtail that or enhance your sleep is to have, you know, I, I love recommending a good carb at dinner just to help you feel kind of sleepy and relaxed, but definitely not right before bed. <laughs> so it just depends. Yeah. And what else, what kind of issues that you deal with clients, you know, who might have a lot of resistance and, you know, what do you, how do you overcome that and what kind of resistance are you facing? Cause I'm sure it's commonplace among many people. Well, I do uh, screen people pretty intensely before I even enroll them in my practice. If someone's not ready, I don't actually invite them in um, to work with me because there's a difference, right? Some people say, I want to get there, but I don't know how. 
I, I need a partner. They would be a fit. But if someone is truly resistant and knows it and knows they're just not ready, then I let them wait. Some people need to, um, you know, some people need to hit a little bit rock bottom or be in a lot more pain and discomfort. You know, one of the questions I'll ask people, I'll, I'll ask them what's going on. Hey, you know, tell me why we're here. What, what do you want to work on today? And they'll say, ah, oh, I really want to lose weight. Uh, I've gained 10 pounds during COVID and I, I can't lose it. Okay. What's going to happen if you don't solve this problem? And from that question, I can usually tell if someone's ready or not. If someone says nothing, I'm fine. They're not going to be as motivated as someone who says, well, my health is going to suffer. I'm going to feel low energy. My libido stinks and I don't like how I look and I have no clothes that fit. And I don't want to walk around naked in front of my spouse. I'm embarrassed and ashamed. So therefore, I don't want to be intimate either. So those are much bigger motivators than someone who's like, ah, I could take it or leave it, you know? So yeah. it really, I don't write people off or discount them, but I definitely measure their readiness level because if they're not ready, I won't be a fit for them either exactly. because I follow up with my clients. They don't slip through the cracks. I'm constantly emailing them, time to book your appointment, get your follow-ups in the books. Where are you? What happened with this test? Where's the doctor's prescription for this? So somebody's not motivated, you know, very quickly. We learn, exactly. you know, it won't be a good idea to work mm -hmm. with me. <laughs> and you were also talking about earlier about some blood work and the Dutch test. Could you um, review like what blood work that you get and what exactly is the Dutch test and how it's used? Yeah, so the blood work I get, and again, I get a lot of pushbacks from doctors and often spend a, a tremendous amount of time calling doctor's offices or insurance companies just to get, uh, I'll do a metabolic panel, I will do uh, cholesterol and triglycerides, I will also do fasting insulin, hemoglobin A1c, fasting glucose, I will also do a more extensive thyroid panel, most thyroid lab tests, everyone says, my thyroid's normal. It's because they're just getting their TSH. So I like free T3, reverse T3, T4. And if I suspect someone has an autoimmune condition, I'll look at TPO, which is thyroid antibodies. I will look at ANA levels as well, which can detect antibodies. Um, I will also look at ferritin to look at someone's thyroid. I will look at vitamin D. I will look at inflammatory markers like lipoprotein little a and uh, homocysteine, or if someone's going through menopause, I'll look at FSH and LH. Uh, and so I really try and paint a complete picture of inflammation, of thyroid, uh, of blood work. And often I pick up, inadvertently pick up autoimmune conditions that a doctor has not. Or my favorite story was my client, Mary. I was like, you have raging Hashimoto's. And she took it to her doctor and her doctor, she had the same blood work a year ago. And her doctor said, oh yeah, okay, I guess we should put you on medication. After two years, I said, please fire your doctor and find a new one. Like shame on, shame on them. And I, I don't like being, you know, bashing doctors at all. I have so many wonderful doctors in my life who are taking exquisite care of their patients. But if your doctor isn't willing to fight for you or, um, you know, writes you off, then find a new doctor or doesn't listen to you or take your complaints seriously. I'm, I'm thinking of another client of mine, Jeff, who 
needs a continuous glucose monitor. He's morbidly obese, but his hemoglobin A1C was borderline high. It was 5.6. So they uh -huh. wouldn't prescribe it. And I said, okay, so here's the deal. You can either pay for his metformin and or insulin, you know, have him pay for that the rest of his life, or you can prescribe him a glucose monitor. And they said, well, the insurance company won't cover it. I said, then it's your job to advocate for him and fight for it and get coverage because he's morbidly obese. And so I ended up, you know, I circled back with him. I said, do you want me to help you just find a new doctor? Yes, please. I, I don't want this doctor anymore. So the doctors are missing things and just saying you're normal. Well, Homer Simpson is normal in this country. Okay. Normal mm -hmm. is not optimal just because everyone else has reflux, high cholesterol, hypertension, uh, syndrome X and, you know, is pre-diabetic doesn't mean it's okay. You know, I was thinking of that movie Wally where like everyone's obese at the end. I mean, that was just so depressing, but it's depressing because it's true and that's our new normal. So the only way to change the paradigm, I think, is when the patients go back to the doctors and say, you know how you told me diet didn't do anything? Well, this is how we're going to fix it. Or look what I fixed. Look at all the weight I've lost by doing everything you told me that wouldn't work. So I think the anecdotal evidence is going to have to come in and change things. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, interesting. I wonder, I mean, we'll get into the Dutch test in just a second, but I yeah. wanted to um, ask a follow-up question that it's interesting that some of these tests that you're, you're recommending, many practitioners probably aren't aware of these tests. And so, and, and you're reading it in a different way than most Western medicine yeah. uh, practitioners are, are used to practicing because yes, it could be within that normal window, but what's the comparison of, uh, to a year ago, you know, or, or a, a few okay. months ago. And so those are important things to look at the trends. Yeah, absolutely. Or again, a lot of doctors will resist and say, well, these tests aren't necessary. You don't have to have these. You're not this. If, you, if you're not already, you know, it's a sick care model. Unless you're sick, you're therefore normal, even though you're not and you're not feeling well, right? A lot of people say to me, my labs are normal and I feel like garbage. Exactly. So a lot of doctors will resist and, and you know, I have to go back and explain and often I get resistance again. So we just mm -hmm. find a new doctor. <laughs> doctors don't even have to be in functional medicine. They just need to be open and receptive to yes. trying new things and admitting it's okay to bring in a team. Like maybe you don't have all the answers. I refer people out all the time. If I don't have the answers, I, I don't know everything. I'm not a doctor. So often that's why I will pull in a functional medicine doctor, pull in a body worker or an acupuncturist or someone, some other modalities. It's not about the ego. I don't care who heals this person. Just let this person get healed for gosh sakes. They're coming for help. Heal them, take care of them, do whatever it takes. It's, I don't care. I even have a patient who works with another nutritionist in conjunction with me. And I laugh. I'm like, you really want to pay two nutritionists? She's like, well, I like this one for this and I like you <laughs> for you. I said, fine by me. I don't care. As long as you're healthy, I don't care. So to that end, to, okay, to answer your other question is the Dutch test. Um, it's, it's a dried urine test for comprehensive hormones and it tests... 21 different androgens. So seven progesterone, seven forms of testosterone, seven forms of estrogen. And it looks at not only your production through your ovaries or testes and your adrenal glands and your gut, 
but also your methylation pathways, how those are detoxified through your body, how they're processed. You know, someone can um, be very estrogen dominant and not be removing estrogen well on top of it, not excreting it through the liver can't process it. It's not being excreted through uh, poop and pee. But also, if you're very obese, you can have a harder time excreting excess estrogens. So I really look at the pathways and make sure they're optimized and we're bringing circulating estrogens down. Um, or the opposite, if someone's very low, if they're menopausal and hot flashing with horrible insomnia and anxiety and irritability, then we look at replenishing those hormones. Um, because what people don't realize, especially women, you know, I say, I don't want to go on all these hormones. Estrogen is so beneficial. The research supports the benefits for bone density and for Alzheimer's prevention. And Alzheimer's can start, you know, easily 10, 20 years before you fully see it uh, manifest itself. And what's happening during that time is menopause, mm. right? So you want to make sure your estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone are optimized. And most women like it because it brings libido back. It gets rid of the hot flash. It restores the sleep. And uh, it improves body composition as well. And no woman ever complains about that. So um, I also test neurotransmitters in the brain to see, uh, is someone making serotonin, dopamine? What are their pathways like? Are they making melatonin? Um, so again- yeah, if they're not, their gut's compromised and that's where you start. Exactly. And fortunately, you know, as a result of all this testing, I help people with the- cooperation of their doctor, of course, um, come off their medications. People can come off their antidepressants. People can come off their heartburn meds in two to three weeks when they correct their diets and put some digestive fire in there and kill off pathogens. So there's so much that you can do that improve people's quality of life, their mood, their energy, sleep, all of yes. those things. Yes, I love your approach to to your patients and clients, and uh, it's really wonderful to see that you're taking a functional medicine holistic approach to to help them with their problems. And uh, I wish more people would do that, and specifically practitioners. And, and this is really awesome um, uh, role model that you're that you are for for many of your clients. So I appreciate that, and thank you for the work that you do. And uh, for our listeners who would like to find more information about you, what's the best way to do so? Uh, okay, so Instagram, first of all, go to Gorgeous Esther, E-S-T-H-E-R. Uh, I'm posting there regularly and especially in my stories. Uh, also, you can get a free Crush Your Cravings three-part video series with an ebook at the end. This is complimentary. My gift to you, you go to estherblum.com forward slash cravings with an S. And uh, this is a really informative series and just a great way. It's not only about sugar, but you can really optimize your health with this. And then last but not least, for your listeners, uh, I have six spots I've opened in my calendar uh, for a 30-minute complimentary consultation. This is for people who are ready to move the needle with their health. They have specific goals of what they want to achieve. And they take away three customized tools that they can start using right away. So that is uh, at estherblum.com forward slash call, C-A-L-L. -L. And um, 
I cannot thank you enough for this sacred space we shared today. This was wonderful. Yeah, thank you so much for you know allowing this gift to be offered to my listeners and whoever else may need them. So this is fantastic. This is a really, really great gift because this is a approach that I think is a foundational step for transformation for better health and wellness. So thank you again. And it was such a great pleasure to have you on the show and meeting you. You too. Thank you so much.